Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. End of the week episode here on Dunked on Prime. First, we got to get to some news that is piled up on us, uh, and then we'll talk uh, the Pacific Division, at least some of the teams, at the trade deadline. Let's get rolling here. What do we need to talk about? Well, let's start with a team that is actually in the Pacific Division that, of course, we'll get that coverage later on, and that's the Phoenix Suns. Encouraging news that Cam Johnson is going to, looks like he's going to return on Thursday. He underwent surgery to remove part of his right meniscus in early November. This is a fast return, though not like not like incomprehensibly fast. And for, for Cam Johnson, we talked about how, a long time when he got hurt about which of the surgeries would he have and... And some of it was going to be dictated by what they saw in the knee when they went in. But for Johnson now, he has the opportunity to play the second half of the season. Hopefully he can stay healthy and reestablish his value ahead of restricted free agency. Yeah, the Suns desperately need some of these returns. We haven't heard anything on the return of Devin Booker. He's coming up now on three weeks out there talking about it minimum four weeks for him. But just anybody else who can do something as a scorer would really help Phoenix. And this will be an interesting chance for cam johnson unfortunately trying to jump back in into a larger role than you had when you left coming off of the surgery is not an ideal situation to be in and hopefully chris paul possibly coming back against the nets could help them as well and they've just been so unbelievably injured where they've had these games with no point guard we still have campaign out obviously booker is out landry shamit came back on monday after he missed three games with the sore right hip so they've just been absolutely struggling and they got completely destroyed by the Grizz in the third quarter on Martin Luther King Day so yeah it would be great to see Cam Johnson back but he'll surely be on the no back-to-back plan he'll surely be on a minutes limit for a while so expecting him to make a huge difference for them right away it probably isn't fair to him that that's totally reasonable and um the good thing though is that we're still a long way from the end of the season even the all-star break it's still a little ways out that could be useful for Johnson a couple other Suns notes Landry Shamit missed three games with a sore right hip but he returned Monday and then Josh Shikogi, he uh, in that Monday loss to the Grizzlies, he got hit in the face by DeAndre Jordan's elbow. Yes, that's a teammate, and he has a nasal fracture. He is no, it's not a teammate. Akogi and DeAndre Aiden. Oh, you said Jordan. Oh, I meant DeAndre. Aiden. Did he? I guess they didn't play the Nuggets anyway, but yeah, they didn't. And so, so that means Okogi is going to be out at least for Thursday. We don't really have a timeline after that. I don't think it's going to be an extended absence from what we know, but he is out. Yeah. And it's it's tough to play with those, particularly he's got a a hard nosed style. What else we got here? A couple of returns, but we could start in DC where Bradley Beal is back after having missed five games with a left hamstring strain. The Washington Wizards, as we're recording this, looks like they're going to walk away with a victory in Madison and score garden over the Knicks. They're up 15 with four minutes to go. We've seen weird stuff happen. I don't think that's going to. And then we don't usually go too much into trade scuttlebutt, but this one is is notable in the sense that we've never heard Rui Hachimura's name before in reporting. And Hachimura, a pending restricted free agent and somebody who, like, there you could, you could tie this in with the idea, potentially, if you want to game it out, that the Wizards have the likely unrestricted free agency by declining player options of Kristaps Porzingis and Kyle Kuzma, whether it's that they don't think they have the minutes or the money to retain all three of those. But considering how high the Wizards are on Hachimura and how high they are, it seems like relative to everyone else, notable that there is even some reporting that he's on the market. Yeah, and surely they are wise to take a look at that. And the idea of 
Porzingis, Kuzma, and Hachimura all being free agents, having at least some overlap with one another, particularly Kuzma and Hachimura, it does seem like maybe a, a choice needs to be made there. And uh, it would be wise to listen to potential trade offers for all three of those guys. Though Porzingis, you feel like wouldn't they? He's been a fine for them. They probably want to bring him back, but the price uh, could could get interesting. Let's turn to New Orleans here and reporting out of there a couple days ago from Christian Clark, who breaks a lot of great stuff out of New Orleans that there's some frustration within the pelicans with brandon ingram and the fact that he has not yet returned there was hope i can't remember whether that came from ingram himself or the organization that he was going to return on this five game road trip he wasn't able to do it and he spoke on the healing process he said he needs more confidence pushing off i'm trying to be explosive trying to be myself that's the biggest thing if i don't feel like myself then i know it's not time to be on the floor some days he feels really good some days he feels bad so he says when he feels 100 percent he will give it a go and pels are playing again tonight with no ingram they are and herb jones is still out with a right lower back contusion he last played on january 9th so multiple players that are injured in the same spot and of course zion is still missing time as well that can be hard to handle and the pelicans are getting crushed by the miami heat a team that with their defensive schemes can give them a lot of trouble particularly with you know no zion williamson the knicks we brought up that wizards knicks game uh part of the uh, another thing that changed it mitchell robinson sprained his right thumb during the contest and did not return we of course don't have severity or timeline yet because that injury just occurred before we record it um larry markinen has now returned he missed two straight for the jazz with a lower hip contusion oh sorry a left hip contusion and kelly winnick i talked to the uh martin luther king day uh, wrap up about how much they missed him as well Olinick is still out with a left ankle sprain so good to get markinen back still missing Olinick. Yeah, good to see that it wasn't a long-term issue for Markkinen. And I think that's been an underrated story for him as far as why he's been able to have the improvement that he's had. That it seemed when he was with the Bulls in particular, whenever he would get going a little bit, he would suffer some sort of an injury, have a setback and be out for two weeks or a month or something like that. And then have to start over from square one. So there definitely is a history there with his injuries and great to see that he's going to be back to continue his all-star push. Speaking of all-star pushes, unfortunately, DeMontis Bonus doesn't get to continue that on Wednesday. He is out with a non-COVID illness. So is Matthew Delvadova. Rashawn Holmes is starting in Sabonis' stead. We'll see how that goes. For the Spurs, Keldon Johnson has missed some, had missed some time with left hamstring tightness. He played on Wednesday against the Grizzlies. And then from Shams Trania's inside pass piece at the Athletic earlier in the week, we did get, let's call it formal confirmation that the Spurs offered Jakob Pertl the four-year $58 million extension that they were allowed to offer using the league still messed up extension system for players that aren't you know max caliber and in the piece shams also included that rival executives believe that purtle will get close to 20 million dollars a year personally i will believe that when i see it purtle is especially considering the rim protection stuff has been worse this year there aren't that many teams with cap space it's possible i'm not saying it's outside the realm but that's a lot of money for purtle yeah, it'd be interesting to see where he falls when we do our center rankings. Um, perhaps there's a feeling again that, hey, by the end of this contract, $20 million, it's going to be nothing. That's like below average starter money by the time it, if he goes out another four years, the last two of them will be under the new TV contract. Again, I think more in the $15 million range, particularly because he just hasn't had a great year. And the Spurs, he's just kind of been in purgatory with the Spurs. Now, if he gets traded somewhere, that actually makes me think that he'll he's more likely to do better because that team has identified him they'll probably have had some conversations about what he's looking for in that contract I mean, it is interesting though yeah i mean that that four for 58 that's 15 million a year so maybe he'll want a shorter term deal to get back out on the market again it's not like it wouldn't have been crazy of him to take that i don't think for a guy not who hasn't all. made that much money but yeah i mean the 20 million part that's it's just interesting to me i there just are not that many if you're trading for him you're a contender and it's just hard to really feel great about him as play, a guy who's going to play more than 20 or 25 minutes a game in the playoffs due to fouls or free throws or just the lack of versatility and so yeah you're potentially in a situation where you're you don't want to pay the, someone who's playing 20 or 25 minutes a game 20 million dollars but he, he more maybe would help another team to get better defensively but their defense has also been terrible this year the spurs even though it's been a weird situation so yeah that'll be a good be a good watfo actually what maybe we'll do it after the trade deadline once we see what happens to him 
We still don't know as of when we're recording this whether Anthony Edwards is going to play against the Pistons. He's been listed as questionable with left hip soreness. Um, only played so he was initially questionable and then was cleared in their game on I believe that was Sunday. So it's kind of a but he only uh, uh, so we'll, we'll keep an eye on that with Edwards. He's been dealing with this hip soreness for a little while now. Rudy Gobert who re-aggravated his right groin issue. Not surprising that he will not play Wednesday against the Nuggets. Austin Rivers is out with a left knee contusion. And then, especially as somebody who loves Jordan McLaughlin, unfortunate clarification from Chris Finch that a report had come out that McLaughlin is weeks away. And then Jace Frederick of the Pioneer Press asked Finch about it. And he said that McLaughlin won't be be back anytime soon. So they're having to handle that in other ways. That is a crazy long absence for a calf injury. He's been out six weeks now. I guess uh, it's year of the calf for the Wolves. We also still haven't heard anything about Carl Anthony Towns being close either he's getting close to like the six week mark now uh, with that four to six week calf injury he is so the timeline for all of these timberwolves and them getting healthy would make a big difference for their push and then another nugget from shams inside pass piece is that the way he phrased it is the timberwolves have a major decision to make with d'angelo russell he's on expiring contract no signs of an extension um so they've been exploring trade possibilities while prioritizing another point guard one rumor that was not in his piece but was in another one is potentially discussing something with with the jazz about mike conley which for minnesota basically you can if you're assuming you're going to keep conley for the next year then you have that kind of salary spot filled for another year that maybe you would do another trade like that or you just keep conley and hope that you can resign him but he's of course significantly older well and, and but i think if you're the jazz like what's my incentive to make that deal you, you want me to just trade you conley for russell no thanks why would I want to do that? Especially because the added financial flexibility doesn't make that much of a difference for the Jazz. They could theoretically spend, but what are they going to do with that spending power? Yeah, for the, the $14 million guarantee account. I think they want to just keep Conley around. Like He's played right. well. They've played well. Like he, He's a great vet there. You, that's someone that you want to treat right, who signed in Utah, wanted to be there. So I am... For Minnesota, though, I, I do understand the urgency. This is mentioned in the reporting that they are going to lose that salary slot essentially if they let russell go they're kind of in the bird rights trap with him he he's better than probably whoever else they could bring in you would think if they just had the mid-level so yeah trading for someone else who makes money that is you like even as much or better than russell because russell's going to want a a long contract in theory maybe there'll be a compromise on a shorter term deal because i don't see anyone else who wants to pay russell you know 20 million or like good starter money necessarily or at least would have that as a priority compared to the wolves but certainly i I would love to try to trade d'angelo russell but what are you including with that they used all their assets already they really really did um that same inside pass piece has that has the note that anthony davis is hoping emphasis on hoping here to be back by early february that would allow davis to play in some games before all-star i'd love to see him back sooner and that would also jibe with potentially him returning around the trade deadline we don't know what in the world the lakers are going to do there we will talk about it soon yeah i think for davis the idea is that he's now getting to be pain-free had that stress reaction in the navicular which again you don't want to push that because then you actually suffer a fractured navicular and you're out for a year so uh, it's all very tenuous he could if he starts feeling pain again like there's talk that he has these bone spurs in that area as well so he's hoping i think they're just kind of crossing their fingers with every workout i would guess with him right now that he can make it back the Clippers are dealing with a bunch of different injury things. Not all of them are completely new. John Wall is out two weeks with an abdominal injury. He heard, he got hurt on a dunk. And on top of that, there's reporting that the Clippers are discussing John Wall in trades. He remember his contract is not guaranteed for next year. So and he you know was first contract he's had with the Clippers, so he has no veto or anything like that. Um, and the Clippers would be looking for front court depth in a trade. And one of the things that they've been going to more often now is when when Paul George and Quire available, which is distinctly not all the time, those lineups are not typically having a traditional 
point guard in them. It could be, you know, like Terrence Mann and then Reggie Jackson's coming off the bench. And for example, in the game against the Sixers, Jackson only played 14 minutes while was out. He played zero minutes. So if we're counting those as their traditional point guards, 14 minutes total. Yeah. So it seems like starting Terrence Mann is the direction that they've gone recently. And you mentioned Wall, really one of the more destructive offensive players in basketball this year. 50% true shooting, which is up a little bit. Can't make a jump shot so he doesn't get guarded, right? Like the other teams have been guarding with their center sometimes when they try to go five out. And he turns it over on 17% of his possessions as well so i mean it just it seems like if you were going to be playing more of like a pure point guard like rondo role or something like that then maybe his game would make more sense but i mean not that the clippers have been amazing offensively but you just you can't have 27 usage and 50 percent true shooting on this team and then reggie jackson is 20 percent usage he's 52 percent true shooting like those guys just haven't played well enough they don't give them enough defensively so yeah you might as well play man and play bigger like they have have the wings to do it in theory and, and then in yeah theory. and then they also got smoked last night by the sixers and they were in it and then they were out of it and then Kawhi leonard's been struggling in fourth quarters and joel was uh, unstoppable in that game so that was with pg back pg's not playing tonight against the jazz second night of a back-to-back uh, i think Kawhi's not playing either right so they're about to Correct. lose that one you would think in utah with marking him back yeah it's just a i feel a lot but like the clippers and warriors have had pretty similar seasons so far in terms of their net rating and how they can't really get much past 500 but i I definitely feel better about the warriors going forward than the clippers do you agree with that i do and i oh i reserve the right to get sold again by the clippers because for whatever reason that always happens but yeah i'm not feeling as confident i I, I, just to finish up on the clippers health stuff luke Kennard uh has now missed five straight with right a right calf injury he it sounds like he might come back he's traveling with the team he might come back on on the road trip and then zubats was originally listed as questionable with a left knee contusion but he did play against the jazz yeah and that canard uh, concerning because that that is a recurrence yes for him for golden state andre guadala has missed a few in a row now he was playing well but it, we saw this pattern from him last year also i think actually might have been in the san antonio game that he got a fast break dunk it seems like whenever he takes off off of one foot for a dunk that he always seems to like kind of hurt himself a little bit maybe he should just stick to two foot dunks <laughs> instead uh, or it could just be a wear and tear thing but and steve kerr got him back he's like thank god yeah we, i mean we're going to talk more about the warriors in a second here and what they need but i think it's pretty telling that steve kerr is like yeah we need andre back to the lineup like he's like basically our backup four man now and they also have defended pretty well in the limited time he was out he, there but he's also just, he's yeah. also their third string five at the moment yeah i mean you just you can't really count on him uh any other injury news for the warriors i think uh, like kaminga I mean, wiseman nothing, nothing new kaminga and wiseman are still out kaminga practiced again uh, on their off day uh before the celtics game but um he but it looks like he's not going to be back for that game and then wiseman still is not practicing jermichael green is doubtful and he's missed 14 straight yeah the combination of first covid and then a, an infection for jermichael green the houston rockets um had they they had a couple of suspensions jay Sean tate and Jalen green for leaving the bench during an altercation those have already been served during the since the last time we did news kevin porter jr has now missed four straight with a left foot contusion he did not play wednesday against the hornets and then i don't know severity but jabari smith jr left that same game against the hornets with an ankle sprain obviously don't know severity and timing it just happened for dallas encouraging news that moxie kleba telling the team broadcast he's hoping to be back before the all-star break with that surgery That's stunning yeah th- that is really and now they may just hold him off until afterwards but even if he comes back right after the break i mean that would be we were worried he's going to be out for the season that he had the chris middleton surgery on that torn hamstring tendon but that would be great if he's able to come back and just give them a little bit more of a defensive element they've been playing relatively well at times when they've had everyone available even without kleba and Dorian finney smith as the other guys been missing he and josh green returned against the hawks wednesday finney smith had missed a month with a right groin strain and green had also been out over a month sprained right elbow which is kind of too bad for him we'll have to keep an eye on it because he'd been shooting it a lot better we'll see if that is affected by the return from the sprained right elbow but as soon as 
those guys come back. Tim Hardaway Jr. is now going to miss two straight after he sprained his ankle in Portland. Yes, and we don't have a timetable yet on him. Speaking of no timetables, Gordon Hayward has now missed eight straight with left hamstring soreness. We haven't heard anything on a timeline with him. Cody Martin has now missed two straight with what has been classified as left knee soreness, but what is concerning there is it's the same knee that he had surgery on earlier in the season, so his availability is TBD kind of kind of moving forward, and of course, Kelly Oubre is already out for them, so that's a lot of players in kind of a similar positional group. Yeah, for and, and for, for Martin, you never know. This could be the start where any soreness at all, they're just ruling him out because of where they are in the standings right now. Absolutely possible for, for the Hornets could be motivated in that front. The Brooklyn Nets lost to the San Antonio Spurs on Tuesday, in part because Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving both didn't play. Durant still missing time with his MCL issue. Kyrie Irving, it was right cap soreness, but the good news is he is probable for their game against Phoenix on Thursday. Seth Curry replaced Irving in the starting lineup. And then Jalen Brown has missed about a week with left adductor tightness. He was a full participant in Wednesday's practice and is questionable for their second finals rematch Thursday against Golden State. That'll be a really interesting one to watch. I think obviously after Golden State beat them in San Francisco, Boston is going to be very motivated to come out. But Golden State should have most of their team available as well. I imagine that that's a back-to-back as well, but I imagine Clay Thompson will play uh, against Boston, you would think. Man, it is crazy to think that I've been working with Helix Sleep since 2015. And I think that's because my story with them seems to really resonate with listeners. If you've never heard it before, that was kind of the beginning of the direct-to-consumer boom. And there was another very prominent mattress company at that time that was trying to convince you that mattresses were one-size-fits-all. They found the one formula, the one mattress that was going to work for everyone. My then-girlfriend, now-wife, and I ordered that mattress. We ended up having to return it because, hey, guess what? Not everyone is the same. And then she did some more research and found Helix Sleep. We took their sleep quiz and we found a mattress that actually worked for us and our body types. And uh, Helix offers 20 unique mattresses. Every sleeps differently. And Helix mattresses are designed for specific sleep positions and field preferences. Hot or cold, side sleeper, back sleeper. So take that Helix sleep quiz. Find your perfect mattress in under two minutes and it's shipped straight to your door free of charge. It's no risk because you really need to sleep on the mattress in your own home. You're like, well, how should I order this if I can't sleep? I'm like, yeah, you're not going to learn anything by going to the mattress store and sleeping on the mattress where do I take my shoes off? Do I leave my shoes on? But then my feet kind of hang off the bed because I don't want to put my shoes on the bed. And is it weird that I'm laying here for more than 30 seconds? You can't tell anything under those circumstances. You might as well just order it, get it sent to your house, get that 100 night trial. They're 10 to 15 year warranty, depending on the model. And there's never been a better time to try a Helix Sleep mattress because they are offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash capspace. Easy to remember slash capspace. We talk about all the time here on the program. That's helixsleep.com slash capspace. This is their best offer yet. I can attest to that since I've been working with them for nine years. And it won't last long with Helix. Better sleep starts now. Don't forget that slash capspace URL to let them know that you came from us. Man, I just love American Giant. Just an amazing clothing company. I was reminded again of how much I love it when I drove from California to Montana over the All-Star break. And you know what it's like when you're on a long road trip and it's cold, particularly when it starts off warm in the bay and then we get into some really cold areas. You're like, well, I don't want to wear like my jacket in the car, but then I get out to fill gas. I'm going to be freezing. But the American Giant hoodie was perfect because despite being made out of a nice heavy material that'll keep you warm, it's not too hot as well. So I was able to wear it in the car, not be too hot, step out of the car and still be warm enough when I was filling up gas or going into a restaurant or something that I didn't feel like I needed my jacket, even when it was cold outside. And things are amazingly durable. I proposed to my wife wearing an American Giant hoodie in the Grand Canyon almost seven years ago. I still own that same hoodie. I still wear it constantly. And American Giant has since 
spread out into all sorts uh, of other types of clothing like their premium slub crew tee the no bs high-rise pant the slim roughneck pant featured in giant magazine issue two every american giant piece is made in america and designed to last no exceptions and it provides year-round comfort so find a closet staple for every part of your spring days at american-giant.com and get 20 percent off your first order when you use that finger code capspace at checkout you remember we talk about capspace all the time here on the program that's 20 off your first order at american-giant.com don't forget that cap space code to let them know you came from us all right danny you put these in order of whichever ones in these divisions you think uh, are the most interesting so where are we starting i think we start with the suns and phoenix they're roughly 17 million over the tax line now that is incredibly significant the transfer of ownership still has not yet happened appetite for that still to know the suns do not have any available trade exceptions and the kind of the, they the suns are also i believe the only team in the nba that has all of their own picks and zero extras so they can follow the normal sepian rules yeah, and everything for else both first wanted. and second round picks they have no yes. incoming out or outgoing picks of any kind of any kind. And so that means the Suns have a lot of flexibility. And to me, the obvious priority is finding a home for Jay Crowder. He hasn't played for the team at all this year. They also haven't gotten anything from his slot because they haven't traded him or done anything with Crowder yet. But that is, so that's a priority. Like you need to get something done. He's on an expiring contract. That's just, I mean, whatever happens, happens. But it's starting in part just because they've been losing so much due to they've been short due to being shorthanded of whether this is a larger clarification point. And I don't want to dwell too much on this, but I thought that Shams reporting that the Suns were a potential suitor for Fred Van Vliet was a little bit fascinating because there isn't a clear way for them to do it. And so this could potentially be James Jones or somebody within the organization kind of maybe thinking about the next step and they if, if they if the the solution next to Devin Booker is not Chris Paul they're going to have to bring somebody in because they haven't drafted somebody over the last couple of years and I my inclination is that the Suns don't make that big move but I don't think it's off the table well let's uh, review quickly what some of the reporting has been on their ownership structure and the approval of trades i, I think brian windorse has uh, had the most reporting on this essentially it's been kind of a three-headed monster and james jones i think isn't even one of the three heads and he is not allowed to really communicate with robert sarver in theory due to the terms of his suspension but sarver still does have to approve any trade for any player who makes more than the mid-level and if they're going to move Jay Crowder or, or Dario Saric or something like that, do anything other than dumping money, even if they're, I think the way I read that is even if they send out more money than they're taking back, if they are taking back a player who makes more than the mid-level, Robert Sarver has to sign off. Then you've also, he's probably, and Sarver's probably not going to do anything without Ishbia also signing off. And then I think there's, uh, I forget the guy's name, Sam something, who's like the actual interim governor of the team right now who would have to sign off as well and the suns aren't even necessarily known for being one of these teams that like really beats the bushes in terms of trades and puts in a ton of work on this type of stuff as well so and apparently the reason some of this reporting has come out is maybe there have been trades that sun's ownership or, or sun that jones wanted to do that ownership or, or the various forms of ownership haven't approved so it seems like kind of a mess i mean just because of that and it, it seems unlikely that ishbia could take full control prior to february ninth and then he's going to kind of need to get up to speed i don't think you want to take full control and then make a trade like that two days later that's going to be massive for the franchise so all of that militates basically in favor of them not doing anything of particular significance i agree and could they make a move involving deandre possible move involving chris paul possibly crowder is the most obvious and you get into that and then whether the suns want to use this opportunity to clarify their books moving forward there will be there will be an important decision in terms of how much they're willing to spend and who they want to spend on in the 2023 offseason moving early could be an advantage but i don't think it is with somebody like landry shamit who has a fully guaranteed 10.3 million for next season because that team has to pay him for longer and it's not like shamit has done so well this year that you're striking while the iron is hot so yeah i i think it could be a quiet deadline but because of their potential to 
theoretically shake things up, I, I think the Suns are the most compelling team, even if I think the most likely outcome is very little. And it would be lovely for the Suns if they could get Devin Booker back, get Chris Paul back, get Cam Johnson back, maybe even possibly campaign. We don't know anything about his situation. And at least like go on a little bit of run. I mean, they flashed very good form when they're fully healthy earlier in the year. And while that fell off to some degree, even before Booker went down, they've been a complete disaster and also there's the possibility that they could lose another five games in a row and be what like eight games under 500 or something like they're three games under right now right yeah they're 21 and 24 as we record this and they're not playing tonight so that's what they'll be so a lot could happen here between now and the trade deadline like they could get their guys back they could get some nice wins they could make ownership say hey this is let's actually try to build this team up a little bit but then who has the incentive to do that there's also the little issue that they are 17 million dollars into the tax with a 35 million dollar tax payment right now and i'm sure they would love to move on from the likes of dario Saric, who is not really in their their rotation when they're healthy and has not played well this year coming off the turn acl so that's a, another thing but then to move shards just into space could they do that for like a couple of seconds eh, that might be worth doing potentially if they were to to excise shards from their books uh, that would lower them down to a much more manageable tax payment that would save them danny 22 million in tax and probably about 3 million in salary or so so 25 million bucks that's a pretty good use uh, of a, a couple of seconds if a team like the spurs or the pacers wanted to take him on for that return I don't know if that would be enough to get that done or not. So I've been predicting that charge would be gone for a long time. I've been wrong about that. But it seems like particularly unless they like go on a run and they're looking really competitive, you would think if there was just an owner who was planning on owning the team for a while, you'd want to just save that money. However, the dynamic ownership situation kind of skews those incentives also. It does. I I mean, and yeah, who's who's fighting for it, who's not fighting for it will will linger. Um, if the Suns were to kind of like treat this as a normal team, I would be looking for forward depth, though. Incidentally, Sharks is one of the guys you could trade, just just somebody else who could be be yeah. in the mix and a different backup point guard. I mean, campaign when he's healthy can can fill the role. But especially if Chris Paul is taking a step or two back, that becomes a potential issue, whether you resolve it now or you resolve it later. Payne only has a late partial guarantee for next year. Yeah, player- and also just even someone who's healthy enough that when paul sure misses games or when he can't play that many minutes i mean pain is a, a massive question mark uh, with his own health uh, with his perpetually sore feet so yeah i mean so obviously the, the joke writes itself that they should try to trade for someone like jay crowder <laughs> but uh i mean as far as like who's out there the three-way trade of potentially milwaukee and houston and them to get eric gordon like eric gordon would be a pretty decent fit he could kind of play some backup point guard like he would fit okay in the the backcourt with Booker give him a little bit of size but they would uh, certainly have to and the charge could probably get sent out in that deal but of course that's one that would have to be approved by ownership I, I don't see anyone else among the obviously available guys you know would they go the Kelly Oubre Jalen McDaniels not Jaden Jalen McDaniels route potentially would I mean this this doesn't seem like a good Gordon Hayward team because I just don't think they have enough salary to send out necessarily and maybe if Charlotte just wanted to save a little bit of money for next year and you know you could go like Shamit, Sharich, and Payne to get Gordon Hayward and just hope he can get healthy and you know pay a little bit more money for guys who weren't gonna be part of what you're doing and save Charlotte a little bit of money next year. Would they is that something that they'd be interested in? But you know, so they could kind of go the distressed assets route just to get some more bodies on the wing who might be an upgrade on the likes of Tory Craig. Yeah, there there's definitely merit to that approach. Um who do you think is the most likely son to be traded? I guess it would have to be Crowder, right? Yeah, I agree. And I guess quite frankly, you know, I noticed I noted how much they could save if they just moved on from Charlotte especially if things spiral i mean was there a team that would take crowder into cap space i mean you probably again would have to get a third team involved there a team like the bucks would have to send someone out take back crowder and then send someone into the space or a trade exception of another team which i don't don't even think there is a large enough trade exception out there to take in uh 10 million dollars at this point i think there might technically be a couple but they're not necessarily by teams that are interested in using them i'd have to go through go through the full list 
yeah i mean i guess i don't have much else to to say on these i mean they do have uh, the other thing to consider too is like do you run it they they haven't really made any of these like give up a first during the season type of transactions even though they've been good i think in the market that they have particularly with ishbia coming in particularly with maybe there being a feeling that this is a lost year and that chris paul doesn't have any more and you know maybe that's what some of those van vliet rumors auger I thought Dan Dan wrote pretty well about that. I kind of second his take. If you want to get a little more thoughts on what we think of those rumors, uh, I think that was on Monday. But you don't want to give up one first-round pick to chase getting a little bit better this year when you think uh, this year is over and you just you want to maintain all those picks to really remake the team around maybe Devin Booker and Mikhail Bridges going forward yeah I think that's completely reasonable have you heard Danny that the LA Lakers have their 27 and 29 first round picks available for trade Kevin Pritchard tells me all the time (laughs) yeah so the Lakers another team that is well into the tax for a team that is not worth it at the moment for this uh, family ownership so they're uh, a obvious possible tax casualty would be Kendrick Nunn how are the Lakers fixed for assets here if they wanted to even make like a small move they have the Bulls 2023 second that could potentially be of interest especially if the Bulls make other moves before the Lakers do something else the Lakers also have their own second in 2023 so on those kind of smaller things they they could they could make something happen i mean potentially if they were interested i mean they don't have that many young guys available they could do something involving max christie or austin reeves but i think they want to keep those guys and also the salary matching is pretty limited with them yeah it's a good point both those guys uh, making the minimum or or close to it we'll just rehash it here because we've talked about it so much very briefly the idea of trading those picks who might be out there i think clearly and and my guess would be the lakers management feels the same way if there is a move that maybe not even gets you into like championship contention but at least like solid you know conference championship contention with those two first round picks that they should pull the trigger i think ultimately i would have not pulled the trigger on the miles turner buddy healed package for those two picks i would want to get more firepower on the wing in particular if i'm going to give those up obviously you could maybe also save some money in a deal like that and westbrook would be the matching salary but there just hasn't been news of players really becoming available another thing is like oh well you know what if you could get someone who would also be good for next season you know zach levine type of bradley peel type still not much indication those guys are available even demar Derozan, right we i think we talked with the bulls and we will again about how if the lakers offer those two picks for Derozan, i think you would probably need to do it as chicago because they they too are just not really on a path to anywhere important um now zach Lowe and Dave McMenamin were talking about how LeBron, their speculation was just sucking and being out of the playoffs. That might be a no-go for LeBron wanting to stay there, but he doesn't necessarily have to be in championship contention. He just wants to be, you know, be playing some meaningful basketball in the postseason, even if they end up losing. That's that to me though, if I'm Lakers management, doesn't sound particularly exciting. Like they half measure one first round pick for Boyan Bogdanovich. Like I'm not a big fan of that either. Are you? No, I'm not. Because I, I mean, this is the Lakers. You should be going for championships in theory. You know, you could say, hey, we owe it to LeBron to just be competitive like i mean all right i guess i kind of see that but and again the other problem too is you know fine ad was playing really well for 15 games like he and lebron have probably played well enough at their best this year to answer the question of like whether these guys are worth saving but then of course ad just gets hurt again and we don't know what his status is going to be the rest of the year and so making a win now trade before you know that ad is back and playing well again like that's really difficult to justify also and then finally this is a point i think dan might have made it first that if you get to the draft this year they could do a three first round pick package because they will have the Pels pick as well so now your problem there is you don't have as much matching salary you would have cap space so maybe you could just trade for someone to take them in but even with lebron and ad and stripped down to basically nothing else you would be hard pressed to take in like a 40 million dollar player i don't know if there's even a way they could do it frankly whereas now you have westbrook salary to trade so those are some interesting components or you know they could just save their cap space for this summer too that's another potential option they could go for 
And for the Lakers, that's significantly more palatable than it would be for other teams, because even though that available space, assuming LeBron and AD are there, like it's it's not immense because even just the the salary cap, the cap hold are, are significant enough to, to knock it in. And remember, they also do have a first round pick. It's just not their own if it's if their own is better than the Pelicans pick. So is that enough for most teams to keep it? Probably not. But I could see Kyrie Irving or Dremont Green or somebody else being interested in taking either less than they could get out of the market or just taking what the Lakers have because the market isn't is so different for both of those individuals and so that it door number two is better for them than it is for almost anybody else and so if the and, and that also you know that makes the think how you think about the assets a little bit different too what else do we need to talk about on these guys not a whole heck of a lot I mean they you know you brought up Kendrick Nunn like that's an that's kind of an obvious way to save some money the Lonnie Walker situation is is notable because this is another one of those like what you do with him depends on what else happens because if they're going the cap space route if that's kind of the decision that they're making then it's be very very difficult for the lakers to retain bloody walker but he also makes them better right now so i think you listen because a one that's the downside of a one-year deal is that it's very hard to to do a ton with it unless the player really wants to come back and you really want them back and the number that you can sign them to in the lakers case with non-bird rights is sufficient but that's not really that big a deal overall yeah, it's just, it's so interesting, particularly the cap space this offseason and the inability to make a trade with any kind of matching salary this offseason. Uh, now you could sign guys in your, with your cap space and then you could make a trade after January 15th as well if you want to do or, that. Or, or the hilarious like gargantuan Russell Westbrook sign and trade. Oh my God. Yeah, Russ doesn't, I mean, I guess if you paid him enough, everyone will listen, but he doesn't seem like the guy I'd want to be counting on to help me trade him out of LA. Agreed. All right, who's next here? Let's stay in Los Angeles and go to the LA Clippers. The Clippers are a whopping 41.7 million over the tax line. They are incidentally and holy crap would this be an unbelievable thing they are oh no never mind their trade exception is not is not big enough for jay crowder it's it's just a little bit too small even with the uh hundred thousand dollar wiggle room so but they do have this 9.7 million dollar uh abaca trade exception and in a normal circumstance with a normal owner with the clippers it would be you know we already talked about the rumors that they could move john wall for front court help but steve Ballmer's willingness to pay opens up the door for a lot of different things like like last year when they traded for Robert Covington and Norman Powell and then eventually extended Robert Covington right before free agency. So they could make bigger swings. I wouldn't put it past Lawrence Frank. This team is already just ludicrously expensive. And that is one way to, to I don't know, I guess you could say energize this team because even though their conceptual ceiling is still there, if, if Kawhi is ever Kawhi again and if Paul George can play more consistently, not dealing with injury management, but I'm less confident that the supporting cast is at the level they need to be as well. So the question that, and this is probably when we should have spent more time on with the Lakers too, is just, is there a trade out there that gets them to where they want to be? That And what do they need? They tried to address point guard. Like that's, it seems like it's going to be just PG and Kawhi handling the ball a lot. We talked already about how Wall and Jackson have kind of disappointed at this point and hopefully they get canard back as well you can give him some more guard play you know robert covington has been in and out mostly out of the rotation of late marcus morris is kind of just a guy at this point norm powell is i guess their third best player like, they don't really have a third best player maybe and some nights it's zubots but he's limited in in terms of what he can give you versatility wise so as crazy as it was to say we thought this would be one of the deepest teams they still i mean i guess they are a deep team in terms of just guys who can play but particularly in terms of someone who can kind of step up in nights that paul george and Kawhi aren't playing or don't have it they just don't really have that guy what let's talk about what they actually have to trade here in addition to the names i mentioned none of whom i would say are particularly sexy other than maybe terrence mann who's making 1.9 this year and then he's got a two-year extension after that for 11 million a year so it would be easy to trade him but like what's out there that the clippers can even trade they've got at least some picks that they can move they do so they owe 24 and 26 first plus two swaps in between so that means 
28 they could do um and so uh, it's a single it's a single first for now they do also have all their own seconds other than 27 plus maybe teams interested in a young guy like bj boston or jason preston um amir coffee's only making about three and a half million a year so those guys i think of those things as more sweeteners rather than the 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 main thing yeah and for the clippers you might say well hey why isn't it the same philosophy with them as it is with the lakers where if pg and Kawhi aren't healthy and don't prove that they're worth throwing more good money after this team why aren't they just going to wait and have those guys like prove that they can actually be good enough to put this team in championship contention they're just so pot committed at this point and Balmer just doesn't give a fuck about the money apparently that it's just going to be a different approach i think and there's still like there's still reason for hope with these guys there's more reason for concern i would say but particularly given like that george and Leonard are coming off of injuries you always say hey maybe they can catch lightning a bottle be healthy in the playoffs and maybe Kawhi leonard could still be one of the best players in the playoffs you just don't know that um so I, I i'm not sure that i would want to do too much right now though if i were them i might kind of just see how this season plays out if they start playing better over the next three weeks then maybe i would change my tune um you know there's talk that they need a backup center that the whole five out thing just hasn't been working as well like that used to be unstoppable offensively it just hasn't been at this point and their defense has been what's even kept them around 500 so it's hard to say that i mean do they need more offensive firepower well then they compromise the defense i ultimately as you look at the team you're just like hey I, like these guys that they have just need to play better like that's the biggest thing like i, I i'm not sure what you know like, all right we'll attach a first round pick to marcus morris or like that kind of a trade or a first round pick to robert covington i'm not sure what that gets you that's making you so much better like if i would be more inclined to make a trade if they'd been really good so far this year and that you felt like hey they just need one more piece which i i don't feel that way about them right now I think they need like yeah. five more pieces and they all need to play better. And you also need to kind of get more time to evaluate the players they have to figure out what attributes are most important with those players. Um, like it'd be great to have somebody who's in the closing five, but who are they replacing in the closing five and what is the theory behind that? And another huge complication for the Clippers making those more ambitious trades this year is that other than Reggie Jackson, none of their significant salaries are expiring. And so if you're negotiating with Team X and you're like, okay, well, we can include Marcus Morris and, and Luke Kennard and all that. It's like, oh, but they don't expire. They have, you know, those two guys are combined to make over 30 million next year. So those sorts of deals could be significantly more available during the 23 offseason and during the 20, the 24 trade deadline than they are right now. Yeah, I don't think they have the ammo to get, say, like a Fred Van Vliet, even if they put in their 28 first. I mean, maybe there's something you could do, like you could do like the 28, 29 deferment, like some way to make that sexier than just the one because they could trade 28 or 29, but not both as of now. But that, I mean, that would be you taking kind of your last swing for a while on Fred Van Vliet. I mean, maybe I, I still think if they made Fred Van Vliet available, there would just be better offers. And obviously Van Vliet would need to get paid by these guys afterwards. So there's no, there's nobody else really that's like I feel is available for one first round pick that would move the meal. Like I don't think they have the ammo for Miles Turner, who would be a nice fit there possibly. You know, someone like a Jay Crowder, who you mentioned, is just he's pretty redundant with the kind of older wings that they have already. And Alec Burks, I mean. Fine. I mean, I guess he might be a little bit of an upgrade on what Wall and Jackson are giving them, but not enough to really move the needle in the postseason. You know, would Kelly Olenek as a backup center? I mean, Utah seems to like him. Could they get him for some of their non-first-round assets? Like, that doesn't seem very likely. Well, yeah, and especially because the Clippers don't really have young players that are super enticing. If if if, yeah. the, if Danny Ainge really liked B.J. Boston or Preston, then maybe, but that's that, that doesn't seem like enough to yeah. make it. And, and, and man is someone that they need right like i don't i don't think they want to move him because then you're looking for another guy like him immediately so like they'll they'll be active in the buyout market you would think as well as well a lot of these teams see i I don't have much else really uh, on the clippers i I hoped they would be good enough that we could be talking about them needing one more piece but they're just so much needs to happen i think which it could happen but i I don't even really i mean even even to get like a backup center that seems like more of a buyout thing you know moving covington for a backup center like is there a team that would want to do that like i guess i I even i still think that like the five out is the best that they can 
be eventually if they are going to get there even though it hasn't been effective this year right like the the backup center it is a need especially when Zubats misses time but it's not as much of a playoff need as it is a regular season need because they'll solve that a different way than if Zubats is hurt then you have a different problem the Clippers also like they don't really have a clear player to trade in a salary dump like that 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 circumstance isn't quite there maybe Steve Bummer's just cool with this kind of a tax bill but it's you know they because the players who are the cheapest on this team are the only cheap players on the team and potentially could hold some interest and yeah if they really want to cut low on boston or preston they could do it i guess anyone who's seen our youtube videos knows that i don't wear formal stuff all the time so when it's time to dress up rather than dress down i highly recommend inochino they were the official outfitter of my wedding i got my tux from there all my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well i felt really good about having them be the outfit of my wedding because all of my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly because when you go somewhere else you're not going to get something that's made for you so why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you and not only does indochino have the suits that made them famous but now they've got everything blazers pants women's wear outerwear designed and made for you hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from european wools linen cottons tons of colors tons of patterns you can customize things like the lapel the vents the pockets and you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style. Level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com. Use the code CAPSPACE. Use the CAPSPACE. We talk about all the time here on the program. You get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino. I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O. Indochino.com. And don't forget that CAPSPACE code to let them know that you came from us. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Golden State also is so far above the tax line that they can't see it anymore. They're in the repeater tax. They don't have any available exceptions to me there's only one goal at the deadline other than maybe just saving a little bit of money although even there there aren't obvious choices you know there could be the all right jermichael green isn't working out for us we'll pay you to take him type of move Uh, other than that i don't really see or or maybe ryan rollins they just totally want to give up on at this point Uh, although he's he's so cheap because he's their draft pick that they might want to just hold on to him in that roster spot to me though i I'm very interested in the trade market if I'm then. I need to find someone who can shoot the ball a little bit, knows how to play, and can defend at the four position that can be in the closing five. Like I I don't feel quite secure with Anthony Lamb and Jonathan Kaminga as my only two options at that spot. Well, you can add Andre Wadala there, but still, you don't have that same confidence. His availability isn't quite there. And Kavon Looney will be in the mix for certain configurations, but not for others. I would also, I mean, as the Warriors, you'd love to have a, a a, a good point of attack defender. They never replaced that element of what Gary Payton II brought to them, and I thought he was incredibly important in the finals. So, but that idea of somebody who's good enough to be a potential closing five player for the Warriors is significant. The question then becomes, are you willing to sacrifice the young players? Because yes, they could trade a future first. The Warriors owe a lightly protected first to Memphis, so they could do first allowable draft. Technically, they could do 26 or something thereafter. But A, to match the salary, and B, as the more likely sweetener, are they willing to give up some of their young players to do so? And are those young players valued highly enough around the league to bring in that quality of player? Yeah, I... I would probably be thinking more of the you know, trying to use future picks, but the the first pick they could trade would be a twenty six. They could they could give up two two picks basically is what they could trade, uh, given that they have oh that top four protected to Memphis. But the assumption will be that that will go, and they could also even 
have the the pick go from 26 and 28 to 27 and 29 if the memphis picks its top four protected did roll over for a year so they do have that available kaminga i think they pretty clearly want to hold on to you know moses moody it, just the fact that he hasn't even with even with all the injuries and non-performance they've had this year that he hasn't been able to get into the rotation that's a big disappointment i think he could be he's kind of been as good or better than i expected offensively but is really disappointed defensively so maybe he needs a fresh home would another team give him first round value i don't think so at this point how would another team feel about james wiseman you know again you brought it up there's just not i don't think that you necessarily you know wiseman moody package what does that get you they don't need like the greatest guy like they don't need like a pure three and d wing like if they could just get jermichael green from four years ago like that would probably be enough uh jermichael green from right now is is less useful one of the names that we've heard again uh, for this team is kelly olenic and like that that sort of player i have zero interest in if i'm them like he needs to be able to switch and be a plus defender to close games for this because if if the warriors are looking for a center who doesn't switch to be in their playoff rotation it's going to be Kevon Looney yeah who does switch a little bit but yeah he's significantly better at that than Kelly Olenek is like you don't need a like that box is already filled yeah and Anthony Lamb although we've derided him early on and derided Kerr for using a two-way guy early on he's probably actually been the best two-way guy in the league and he'll surely be converted for the playoffs but I don't think for their purposes at the end of a playoff game, I don't think Kelly Olenek is better than Anthony Lamb. Like I think you know, Kelly Olenek would certainly help him in the regular season. Like he could play the DHO game and post up against mismatches and spread the floor. Like he'd be a great offensive fit with what these guys are trying to do. But yeah, I just see trying to find a place for him to play in the playoffs for the way this team wants to defend is not very exciting. So let's put some names out there that actually could help these guys that would realistically be attainable let's say it's a a wiseman moody package and that would be quite a blow to joe lakeup to have to move both of those guys but you know let's say wiseman is then the matching salary which he basically has to be right pretty much yeah i mean wiseman makes 9.6 billion and they're they're not they're the four most expensive warriors are not getting moved curry thompson wiggins and green so yeah nor nor is looney so and then you go down to like kaminga at six steven genzo at 4.5 moody at four jordan pool can't really be traded because of the poison pill after they sign the extension so yeah i mean it really if they're going to get a player who's going to matter and maybe it's just the buyout market instead but again getting someone better than lamb in the buyout market just might not be possible uh yeah it really has to be wiseman it's just a question of how much is his value intrinsically what else do you have to throw in with him and you know the, even the question of salary matching there is it, difficult if they wanted to the other thing too is it's like hey you bring in you trade someone and you're like oh yeah like the trade would work but oh we just took on five million dollars and 25 million or more in actual cash payment like that's not particularly palatable either right and and that's a a, a significant a significant problem as well I, I mean maybe phoenix totally falling out of it would be useful to them because then they wouldn't be mad about having to trade jay crowder to golden state but i think even to get a player like crowder like i, I think that it'd be a tough sell for management with the uh, wiseman at this point even so uh he, w- he was starting to play better then of course he got injured again so i mean I, I i it's hard for me to argue as a neutral person that they should be holding on to wiseman at this point well and, and one of the funniest things is like a couple of the teams that have players who i don't think are great fits but are potential fits would be like the pistons something involving sadiq bay and potentially bringing back alec burks but the pistons just drafted a point just drafted a center in the lottery yeah and, all these teams fucking have centers right and then another team that's kind of in that boat is if Danny Ainge wanted to to try the James Wiseman experience they could do something involving Malik Beasley like the Jazz have a bunch of capable players like you could structure this a lot of different ways but they have Walker Kessler like are how interested are they in like but the the idea that especially with Ainge that I think might be persuasive is if they're doing something involving Malik Beasley I mean potentially I don't think Jared Vanderbilt would be in this kind of trade I think they also like Jared Vanderbilt. Uh, I mean I mean that would be a fascinating one I mean I think it's uh, there's some reporting I can't remember where it was from 
um that the jazz would be looking for like a first for jared vanderbilt which actually makes sense to me so but yeah i mean walker kessler is a better prospect to me than james wiseman now wiseman is more offensive upside maybe uh maybe they'd just be kind of taking a flyer on him and the warriors would have to throw something else in even at that point um you know an interesting one could be josh richardson with the spurs where maybe even the spurs would throw in a low-level asset with richardson to get wiseman that that's the type of team they don't really have a center of the future you know the purtle thing we'll see how that plays out purtle's another guy though that doesn't he's been talked about for the warriors but doesn't really make sense for them to me i'm not even sure he's better than looney and just playing both of those guys in the playoffs wouldn't be great to me yeah and similarly like there there was some reporting on wednesday about potentially peyton pritchard and peyton pritchard would not yeah another small guard like why yeah uh, I, I got one more name for you. I don't know how smart this guy plays, and but he is makes little enough money that it, you might be able to get him without trading for Wiseman. And uh, I know uh, Andrew Schlecht was talking about this guy as a possible deadline deal candidate. Uh, Darius Baisley with the Thunder. Baisley's interesting. I was going to mention Jalen McDaniels. Yeah, it seems like he's going to have a, a fair number of suitors. I think the problem with both, uh, more McDaniels even than Baisley, Baisley's shown a little bit of kind of dribble game and passing game. You know, he's got like some feet maybe uh, although you never know with these guys for sure until they get into the warrior system mcdaniels to me is like some of the decisions he makes while driving like he's i just don't think he's ready to play warriors basketball and also they need someone has like a little bit more beef i think to, at that position to switch to but you know basically he's athletic he could get in transition he maybe can switch defensively like he can't really shoot but it, you know the, they have other good shooters like he could play the fake dho game like maybe that would be a thought the thunder also makes sense as a team who could bring Wiseman up slowly and that would actually a have the financial flexibility and b have the playing flexibility to to make that happen without sacrificing something concrete in the way that other teams would yeah but again when you you know would it be Patrick Baldwin Jr. for Baisley would, would that be something that the Thunder might be oh I was assuming I was assuming it'd be Wiseman and well I was thinking because Baisley makes little enough that you might be able to craft the trade without putting Wiseman in it oh that's that's true um there that might be potential. more of the appeal there to trade Jermichael Green I guess Jermichael Green cannot be traded back to the Thunder the Zizuna Sogaskis rule strikes again yeah that, that would be uh, that would be hilarious uh yeah. So, so anyway, you know, I'm not sure. I, I'm trying to think of any other like names that would work. But it, when you consider the constraints, you know, maybe they they just got to roll with uh, Anthony Lamb and just uh, hope that he's really that much of a find. But that's I, I don't love being in that position. Like I would definitely like to have some more athleticism at that position and a little more experience. All right, one more team here. That is the Kings. And it seems like, well, they made the Sabonis trade. They gave up Halliburton. They gave up this future first. That's top 10 protected in 24 for Herder, a trade that's looking pretty good so far, at least. They don't have a great bench. They don't really have a great solution at backup center. They've really struggled when Sabonis has been out. But you would hope that Holmes could get to be good enough to where he could at least give you that. But the Kings could still, you know, they've got Keegan Murray as a possible trade candidate if they wanted to go that route. You know, he's probably... He's not going to get you number four pick value, I think, going forward. He's come on a little bit lately, but he's, overall, it hasn't been an incredible rookie year for him. But it, the idea of them pushing in even further to really try to be a top six playoff team for the next few years is maybe an interesting one. If they wanted to go that route, maybe not specific players, but is there just a type of player that you feel if they acquired him could get them to that level? I'd love a, a three that you really trusted defensively that could help give the defensive yeah. identity. Because that's, that's it. They got to get better defensively. Right. And so that sort of a player, if you could do it. And the, the one of the challenges is that in order to execute offensively the way the Kings do, that player needs to at least be defended. Like they don't need to be yeah. a high volume guy, but they need to actually, you know, like have somebody stay out there. So that narrows the field pretty significantly and ideally yeah that player has the age the kind of the age element so in in a way i think the more likely way for sacramento if they identified that the same way we did would actually be a second draft or more of like a rolling the dice rather than an established commodity though like i mean because because like for example like i don't think jay crowder fits that bill well enough i think you're looking for more of a three than a four in part because i identify keegan murray as a four yeah and the the matching salary is 
is another challenge as well they would probably like to move on from Holmes at this point and Holmes maybe could use a fresh start and could be better elsewhere but like they're not gonna want to move Malik Monk and Davion Mitchell if uh, somebody values him he's had a really disappointing year but they did they would need some kind of a backup guard and he does give them a little something defensively at least like Terrence Davis makes four million Alex Menley Alex Len makes 3.9 so you know you might be able to get to a Crowder but it seems like again the Suns like if they fall out of it then yeah maybe two seconds for Crowder or something like okay uh the Kings could in theory trade a 26 and 28 first that if that 24 pick does roll over could go back to 27 and 29 but you know a team might be wary that the Kings could Kangs and not actually allow that herder pick to go and then that some of these later picks would be imperiled but yeah you know, I think you could probably say they could make an offer with two first and we'll see maybe they could even get the protection taken off the Atlanta pick if it, that's what they wanted to do so you know obviously like an OG Ananobi would fit amazingly in Sacramento right and, sure and, you know Barnes is going to be a free agent but they could probably still bring him back at, at that point but uh, although I think they OG they probably yeah i mean if they if the raptors were willing to take back holmes who has two more guaranteed years after this one one of which is a player option like i holmes is to me is pretty significant negative value there so using him as the matching salary becomes difficult at that point and i don't know that two kings picks would be enough to get someone like ananobi so i I think ultimately they're probably hamstrung in terms of really making a significant upgrade and they're already out this first round pick like i wouldn't want to be out another first rounder and now you really can't do anything for a very long time to get someone who's going to just be more of like a depth piece or maybe like a middling starter to take barnes's place or something yeah, that's a big part of why I think this is going to be a more quiet deadline. You also have the issue while well, well, Davion Mitchell has disappointed, the person who drafted him is still at the controls and Mitchell still has plenty of time to improve as a player. He's not even close to being extension eligible at this juncture. I don't think Shemze Metu or Casey Akpala are exciting enough to really get a team interested and then like could you maybe do something with terrence davis yes but i don't know that another team is more excited about terrence davis to to really make something happen so for me sacramento i I wouldn't be surprised if monty mcnair is making calls i would be surprised if they did something significant and the other weird part of this is harrison barnes i mean he has been a focus of mock deadlines and our deadline stuff and our offseason stuff for years. And in part because the Kings don't have a great way to, way to replace him. And in part because, and now, especially now that they're competitive, and it's part because, like, well, what, what else are they going to do? Like, he could, they could do something there, but I don't know who's clamoring for Harrison Barnes. And I mean, the time to trade him was two years ago, more than now. Yeah. And again, who who you're going to get that's going to be better than him i'm not really sure um you know another thing that occurred to me is try to go get like a matisse theibel or a cam reddish a a, a second or third third draft in the case of of reddish guy but those at at that point you're kind of like hey if you really like this guy why don't you just like use your mid-level on him in the offseason rather than because and if you're the sixers are you gonna say all right we'll take a second for matisse theibel if you're sacramento you probably wouldn't give up say davion mitchell for him that's really the only expendable young guy that they have so they do seem to not really have great options here you know could they try to get their hands on like a gary harris uh, who maybe could shoot and just be a better point of attack defender than davion mitchell is you know that might be another guy that might be that might actually make a little bit of sense for them harris makes 10 million so you could probably cobble together that salary pretty easily but again if you're orlando and you're trying to get better next year Gary Harris is not guaranteed for 10 million. Like they're actually have been starting him recently. So are you, you know, take like a second for Gary Harris? Like, I mean, I guess it kind of makes sense, but you also would just have Gary Harris around as a good vet who competes and can help you next year. Right. So yeah, that's what, that kind of goes in line with what I was saying about how Monty McNair will make calls, but it's hard for me to imagine something significant actually happening. Yeah. And right. You know, if, if Gary Harris were a free agent and he told the magic, he didn't want to come back, then yeah, maybe you get the second for him, but he's not guaranteed for next year. So there's no reason to rush that decision now. For sure. Especially, um, especially yeah. not for an uninspiring return. Are we done here? I think so. Okay. Yeah. This is uh two divisions in the books here. That will do it for our week. Fifth podcast is done. John and I recorded with our all-star picks Danny and I will get to if he has any significant changes in his picks. We'll talk about that next week. And thanks so much for being subscribers. We'll talk to you all soon. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. 
Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.